You're listening to Parenting with Emotional Intelligence, a subset of the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, the founder of Catalyst for Change LLC and Generation EQ and author of The EQ Deficiency. If you find the information in this podcast valuable and want to learn more about how you can incorporate this essential skill in your and your family's lives, I welcome you to contact me personally and we can have a chat. You can find my personal calendar link and contact information in today's show notes. Today, I'm going to share with you five things to never say to your child, although never is a harsh word, but it got your attention, right? What's ironic is that these five comments are very common for us to say to children. I've said them hundreds of times, I'm sure. They seem like good things to say, and the intent behind them is often positive. But at a subconscious level, it communicates a different message. A message you're likely not aware of. One thing about parenting with emotional intelligence is that it teaches us to develop a heightened sense of awareness for the nuances in communication, emotions, and reactions. We see beyond the prescribed or obvious meaning of things and dig deeper to uncover the complexity of it all. So here are the five phrases that you should avoid saying to your child. One is practice makes perfect. Seems harmless and even encouraging, right? What you probably mean to say is that we can't get better at something if we don't put in time and effort. So why don't we just say that then? Because it's not as catchy and we feel like we are saying that. But here are some things the message can imply that we may not realize. The most obvious is that perfection is something that we can achieve if we put in enough work, which we all know isn't the case. Perfection is elusive. None of us will ever be perfect. Eventually, someone will always outdo us. If your child is a perfectionist, they can take this phrase quite literally and end up disappointed when their hard work is met with error or flaws. And the other thing this phrase may imply is that all practice leads to a positive outcome. But practice is simply the repetition of doing something. We could be practicing something that ultimately leads nowhere, or leads to a bad habit. A better way to get your point across is to reassure your child that mastery takes time and effort, and it is up to them to determine whether it is worth it. Additionally, and especially if you're dealing with a younger child, you might want to put a positive spin on it and simplify it a bit. And what I'm about to share with you works with all ages. And that is saying something like, I know it can be frustrating, But think of what it will feel like when you achieve blank. What will that feel like? And what have you learned so far that you didn't know before? This encourages them to celebrate the small victories and learnings along the way instead of always looking at the end result, which can be so far in the future that it seems too far out for them to comprehend. All right, number two, let me help you. No one likes to see a child struggle, especially your own child. And while it can be tempting to jump into the rescue, maybe they don't need rescuing. If they're struggling to solve a problem, let them work through it. Let them get a bit uncomfortable, make mistakes, and try again. That is what life is all about. 
learning from our mistakes and getting uncomfortable. And when we do solve it on our own after putting in all this effort, it makes success even more richer and fulfilling. However, if we're always jumping in early because we're uncomfortable seeing them struggle, then we are stripping them of developing their problem-solving skills because we're not giving them the time that they need to figure it out on their own. And unintentionally, this can also communicate that they're not fast enough or intelligent enough to solve the problems themselves and potentially condition them to give up too soon because they now believe they need the help of someone else to figure things out for them. Another reason parents like to jump in and help is because they don't like messes. Before having my own classroom, I was a floater at a child development center, meaning I would fill in where they needed a teacher. When I went to the 12 to 18 month classroom for breakfast, the kids were sitting at their little teeny tiny tables and chairs, so cute, and they were feeding themselves cereal. And let me tell you, we went through some cereal because a lot of it ended up either on the table, the floor, or on them. And we were okay with that. We made sure to refill their bowls if we felt they spilt more than they had ate. And of course, cleaning up after every meal was an endeavor, but these kids were getting an opportunity to develop their fine motor skills and learn how to use eating utensils on their own at a very young age. Learning and developing is a messy process, but that's the point. Trial and error moments make achieving something so much more exciting. So next time you want to jump in to help, give them some time and grace until they ask for your help. Number three, you're okay. While we may say this to be reassuring, it's not. (laughs) There are a couple situations that come to mind when I think of this phrase. One is when our child gets hurt or falls down and we say it in a very concerning way. It's okay. It's okay. And this signals to the child that something is wrong. Should I not be okay? Oh my gosh, I'm panicking. So have you ever noticed what happens to their face when those words come out of your mouth? There's typically this pause first, and then their lips start to curl under, and they typically begin to cry. But what was the reaction right before those words came out of your mouth? Usually a look of surprise followed by a pending gaze. They look to you for your reaction. If they see concern on your face, they become concerned. While our words may say, you're okay, our facial expression and tone are saying otherwise. So instead of stating, you're okay, you can state what happened with a more positive sense of surprise, like, Maddie fell down. Will Maddie get back up? Yay! I've also heard this phrase used when parents feel their child is being emotionally weak, and they tend to say it with a more harsh tone. And usually there are a few more words that accompany that phrase as well. For example, you're okay, stop crying, or you're okay, stop being a baby. So there's a bit more to it than just the you're okay part. Regardless of the context or tone, One thing is for certain, we cannot know if someone else is okay. So when we define someone else's feelings for them, child or adult, or we tell them what they should feel, or we tell them they should feel a certain way, we are not respecting them 
we're showing them empathy and understanding. And in essence, we're telling them your feelings aren't valid. And I don't think any of us want to come across that way. So if you're saying this to console, try not to make a big deal out of a small thing, like if your child were to stumble and fall. And if you were saying it because you believe that your child is making a fuss over something that is small to you, just know that feelings are a very personal thing and they show up differently for each of us for different reasons. So instead, ask how they're feeling and talk through it with them and offer them the space to vent or calm down. Number four, say you're sorry. This is a hot trigger for me because while it may be intended to teach kids to be kind to one another, it doesn't. It doesn't even come close. Here's my personal opinion on what it teaches. I believe it teaches them that when we hurt someone's feelings or do something wrong, that everything can be or should be made right with two words. I'm sorry. You see this in relationships all the time. Someone does something and then they say sorry, you forgive them, they do it again, and then they say sorry, and assume that by saying sorry, it should make everything better. Where do you think that behavior all started? And I believe this stems from being raised in a society where we are expected and forced to say the quote-unquote right things in order to come across as nice or polite. But what if our kids aren't sorry? What if they don't feel bad for what they've done? That doesn't make them bad kids. It means that they currently lack that connection to the effects of their actions. And we can help foster this connection through bringing awareness to the situation through asking them to observe the effects their behaviors or words had on others. Let them be present in the moment and feel and process. Isn't that much more purposeful than a forced and possibly disingenuous apology. And finally, number five, you are the smartest. You are the best at blank. This is another one that really makes me squirm. That and seeing number one mom and number one dad gifts and posts around Father's Day and Mother's Day. Everyone can't be the best. It doesn't work that way. Number one is an illusion to begin with because everyone has different standards by which they size things up. This is similar to the phrase practice makes perfect, but instead erase the effort and just say, you are perfect. You are the best. You are the smartest. No effort needed. My parents were totally guilty of this one. They told me that I was smart, creative, naturally talented. And guess what? I did terrible in school because I thought, well, if I'm smart, I don't need to put in any effort. I can wing it. That's what naturally smart and gifted people do, right? And I also blamed others for my lack of success in school and life as a result. It's not me. It's my teachers. It's how they teach. They're giving me too much work. The questions are ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. And guess what? One day, someone is going to give your child honest feedback and they're not going to know how to take it. Or they won't believe it and this will lead to them justifying or dismissing the feedback of others, which is what I was doing. Is that what we really want? This may come across as harsh, but all of us are going to hold a positive bias about our kids. But the fact is our kids are likely average and there is nothing wrong with that. I'm average And average people can do extraordinary things. You know why? Because they put in effort. 
Effort is what we should be celebrating if we want to empower our kids and set them up for success. As I said in the beginning, we've likely all used these phrases and with good intention behind every single one of them. And now you know that there's a bit more behind those words that meets the eye. I hope this was insightful and helpful. And if you would like to learn more or have questions, I encourage you to check out my website, generationeq.org, where you can find out information about upcoming Generation EQ Parents Clubs, where I personally facilitate 90-minute interactive discussion sessions every month on parenting with emotional intelligence and expand upon topics such as this. In addition, I offer private family programs, which takes into account your family's unique personalities and behaviors. So I will put the link to Generation EQ in the show notes where you can find out all this information. Until next time, live and lead with an open heart and open mind. Thanks for listening.